This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, January 23rd, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The U.S. House has taken a move toward fixing the Dodd-Frank financial reform of 2010. The problems with that financial reform won't be fixed with much less than a full repeal. That according to Mark Calabria, Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. So the House passed a small package of about what were 11 separate bills. I mean, the total of the whole package is only about 30 pages. Um, About half of it deals with Dodd-Frank. The rest of it is kind of like a Jobs Act, too, where there are changes to SEC registration requirements for small companies, definitions for accredited investors and such. And what it really is meant to do, that aspect of the bill is meant to jumpstart investment in small businesses. The other parts of the bill are really meant to deal with the regulatory burden. Uh, There's some delay of a small provision in in the Volcker rule, but by and large, modest tweaks, nothing nothing in terms of the grand framework of Dodd-Frank has changed. What are the biggest problems that remain within Dodd-Frank and how likely likely is it that this new Congress will do anything about those problems? So let's start with, you know, my opinion is Dodd-Frank is is completely flawed and should just be simply repealed rather than, you know, death by a thousand cuts and and, and tweaking with it. Um, That said, there seems to be no interest in Republicans, even though some of them, for instance, the new chairman of the banking committee, Richard Shelby, has said he'd like to repeal it, but doesn't think he can do that. So we are likely to see the Senate assemble uh, a package while the House passes probably a dozen so smaller bills. Think about the, t- the three big features of Dodd-Frank. You know, one is how do you deal with too big to fail? And of course, this is one, the um, designation process. So when essentially the Financial Stability Oversight Council, FSIC, label certain companies as too big to fail. Uh, that's part of it. And then the other part of it is, well, how do we handle too big to fail companies when they fail? And that's the orderly resolution authority, so Title I and Two of Dodd-Frank. The, well, the other big part is the consumer agency. And then lastly, another big part that gets a lot of interest is derivatives. And so um, none of those are likely to go away in terms of a broad structure. What they're likely to get are tweaks. So take the consumer agency. I think it's highly likely that it will be pulled within the appropriations process. So unlike pretty much every other agency in the government, Dodd-Frank puts this agency outside the appropriations process. It's essentially funded by the Federal Reserve printing money. Uh, in, of course, as, some, as, as someone who spent seven years working in the Senate, the appropriations process, very important oversight process, and that's lacking with this agency. Now, given that this agency also has a pot of money sitting around from civil money, civil money penalties, uh, there's nothing less safe in Washington than a pot of money. So Congress has the ability to refund, reprogram this money. Uh, I think that's a near certainty. The tougher changes with the agency are really to try to fix the structure from a director to a board. I think there will be attempts to do that. It's not clear to me at this point that those attempts will be successful. Uh, where Congress will, will, is likely to make some changes are more on the designation process for FSOC, who is too big to fail. Right now, it's kind of like you know, the obscenity standard. You know, regulators know too big to fail when they see it. Really not any guidepost, really not any guidelines, any metrics on who is too big to fail, which, again, I think would be helpful because we remember from 2008 where the regulators basically said, well, you're going to bail you out. We're not going to bail you out. It all was quite ad hoc. Um, that's still the case. So I do think there's an interest from both parties in Congress to bring some, you know, more substance to that case so that the regulators are more upfront about who's being labeled too big to fail and why. Uh, and then while there is a path in Title II 
to actually ending too big to fail. It's an optional path that's highly unlikely to be used by regulators. So I think there will be some attempts, whether it's to offer a bankruptcy option. For instance, uh, the House this past Congress passed a bankruptcy bill for large financial institutions that passed with bipartisan support. No interest in the Senate in it, but I think bankruptcy instead of bailout will be something that comes back. Um, And of course, some of the questions around derivatives. For instance, the recently House-passed bill um, reduces margin requirements for non-banks, non-financials. So you think about when American Airlines wants to hedge uh, jet fuel, you know, those sort of things under Dodd-Frank American Airlines has to post margin, has to post capital behind that. So I think those are the major sort of areas we're going to see change. None of the changes will be deep and structural, uh, but they would be what I would characterize as uh, smoothing off the rough edges. All right. And what is what of that is likely to receive uh presidential approval. So the trick is, you know, of course, the House is a majoritarian body. So uh, despite the fact that most of this, even the recent bill was passed with some Democrat support, um, getting broad Democrat support is not necessarily a priority in the House, but will be part of it. You can't get anything out of the Senate without Democrat support. Um, So for something to get out of the Senate, there's going to have to be broad Democrat support. Uh, I guess I'd put it this way. Anything the Republicans can get Elizabeth Warren to sign on to, for instance, I think the president will sign. So it's going to be first obstacle, how do you get Senate Democrats on board? And of course, the other component of this, and you're going to see this across the board, but you're certainly going to see it in Dodd-Frank, and we saw it in the end of the year appropriations omnibus bill. Republicans are going to put stuff in appropriations bill the president doesn't like, and they're basically going to say, you either take it or you choose to shut down the government. Um, Where this line is for how much they can push the president on, they're going to try to find that out. Uh, Certainly, the president's going to threaten vetoes. Uh, He hasn't given one yet. Obviously, it's very early. Um, And so uh, where he's going to veto, I think, is uh, unknown until we see it. But certainly, Republicans are smart enough that they're not going to do these things standalone. They're going to be part of barter packages. They're going to be part of appropriations. They're going to be on must-pass bills. And they're essentially going to say to the president, take it or leave it. Now, some of the uh, arguments for Dodd-Frank and specifically with respect to the CFPB, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, um, the strange structure of that uh, agency was, I think, particularly troubling. Bringing it under a normal appropriations project uh, process seems to make sense, but you also have the appointment of the head of that agency and the strange procedures uh, that that follows. It really is an odd agency which to me throws out decades worth of research and literature on what we learned how to design administrative agencies. And of course, that was purposeful. Um, you know, It was really an attempt to try to insulate this agency from democratic accountability. Um, you know, the 2010 Congress knew that their strong majority would be fleeting, and they essentially wanted to hardwire their own preferences in forever, uh, which, of course, you know, elections do matter, and they should matter, and they should matter in the sense of oversight for the CFPB. Uh, and so certainly on the appropriation side, you know, I think that that's something likely to be changed. Again, it is such an oddity. I mean, even NSA, CIA, DOD are all in the appropriations process. And so there's a usual argument that somehow if it's going to be in the appropriations process, it'll get strangled. Uh, and of course, it, you know, it's hard to see that in any other agency. I mean, you know, in the Bush years, they doubled the uh, budget at the SEC. And of course, you know, despite the sequester, DOD and the appropriations process gallops on with huge budgets. So it really is just sort of a questionable um, 
argument to me. And of course, as we know with the director, who was initially unconstitutionally appointed, uh, but has since been appointed officially by the Senate, uh, you know, there really is this, again, attempt to lock in a certain set of preferences. The the literature clearly shows that boards have more deliberation, they have more thoughtful processes. Of course, deliberation and thoughtfulness to some people just sounds like compromise, and of course, to some extent, that's what it is. If you've got to get five people to agree on something rather than one, it's likely that what's agreed on is more moderate, uh, but also more thoughtful. And of course, that's the opposite of what the advocates for the CP want. They have their preferences, they want to lock that in place. That is going to be one of the tougher battles. Uh, of course, even if the Republicans were able to get a board in place, most of what's been done with the current director would be hard to undo. Uh, and I also think if the more it looks like we might have a Republican president, the more amenable Democrats will likely be to have a board. And I'll certainly say as an aside, um, a bipartisan board within the appropriations process was the original Ted Kennedy-Elizabeth Warren proposal. So it's sort of interesting that's now the radical uh, bank proposal uh, when that was where Elizabeth Warren started. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.